Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. A Monday morning mailbag on a Tuesday afternoon. This is how we do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the walk-off. I'm Scott Belford, joined as always by the best co-host in the biz, Adam Mack. And Adam, it's funny, the amount of times where I'll get messages from people being like, hey, how do I get on the mailbag? And I'm like, you're doing it. You've (laughs) reached out. (laughs) This is a big step. (laughs) You do have to reach out to us. Uh, We comb through all of the questions and comments every single week. We do our best to mix it up now. Sometimes you're going to hear the same people because if you're a Patreon member, you get that Patreon bump and automatically get your message in there or at least so far we haven't had to cut anyone from patreon i don't think our bags mailbags are specified scott our mail bags are getting heavy so <laughs> uh you can also reach out on twitter i walk off podcast instagram the walk off podcast and the discord is always a happening place of course that is now a patreon exclusive but has made the community i feel like tighter <laughs> there's constantly 10 people in there that like uh, we're going to get to a little later. There's an actual comment about it, but just it's a pretty tight community. It's cool. It's good. Uh, today, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube or listening on Spotify, uh, you're getting it much later than the Patreon's getting it. The Patreon gets it yeah. raw, unedited, right away. Um, mm-hmm. There's usually Sometimes like... Sometimes too raw. Too raw. Definitely. Always <laughs> too raw. Uh, we, were, we were raw dogging it for about 30 minutes before we hit record for YouTube today. So some uh, some real gems in that unedited stuff for Patreon. But the YouTube and the Spotify side, usually because I do have, believe it or not, some editing to do, thumbnails to create, uh, breaking news to yes. shoehorn Imagine. into a thumbnail. Yes, that's right. Um, it's, it usually follows behind a, a couple hours, but today it's going to be a little extra longer because I do have to... Uh, run to the pharmacy and get a COVID test for my wife. So yes. Patreon is going to be listening and watching immediately as soon as we, we wrap up here. And then I have to go do that before I put the rest of the stuff on YouTube and Spotify and, and iTunes. So there you go. Okay. Um, couple comments on the fact that we've changed the Friday show. We've renamed the Friday show to this changes everything <laughs> um, we might sometimes rename it to we, we may rotate the name might on be it. breaking news uh might be i can't believe this has happened sometimes um mm-hmm. yeah, Listen, we're gonna we have, have a very loyal listenership and we're very very lucky genuinely to have so many people turn us knobs on you know, like we're just a couple mm-hmm. boneheads, and the fact that so many of you follow along really is genuinely a beautiful thing. But we normally get about a thousand, a little over that views on our Friday show on YouTube. Uh, this changes everything, and we hit three thousand views. So just, just this there. changes just a nothing, casual triple. But uh, the casual tripling of our viewership, the stand-up and, triple. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to, whatever, we're going to have some fun with it and lean into it. But uh, some fun comments and response here. Uh, Marcus Loves Watches, who has been with us since day one. Yeah, Marcus G. Um, who, for the longest time, I thought it was Marcus Glove, but it's Marcus mm-hmm. G. Loves Watches. So I thought it was Marcus Gloves Watches. It's Marcus yeah. G. Marcus G. Loves Watches. Um, says, how dare you? How dare you use a clickbait title to induce me to watch an hour of quality and thoughtful content? When I watch a clickbait video, I just want to watch three to four minutes of nothing burger news that everyone already knows um, knows about made by casuals for casuals. So Love that slogan. By casuals for <laughs> by casuals. casuals for casuals. <laughs> Love it. Um, it's so much more on the nose about what we are than... I think our original tagline for the show was... 
like the diehard show for the casual fan. Yeah. But by casuals for casuals, way oh. more deprecating okay. and perfect. It just fits us. So there you go. And then uh, John Mann also commented and said this may be the best show you guys have had that I can remember. Well done, guys. Love the chirps on clickbait, too. So there you go. It's uh, lots of comments like that. And I know we got lots of feedback and DMs as well, but those are just a couple examples. So, yeah, we're going to have fun with it and uh, hopefully weed out the riffraff. I mean, views are good and all, but genuine community is so much better. It just doesn't pay anything. So we're here for you. We love the grounds crew, though. This is good. Okay, on Twitter, Rob Lug DM'd us and said, Adam and Scott, in capitals, this changes everything. (laughs) He says, haha, just taking a page from your guys' book, hoping to get on the mailbag now that I have your attention. It worked. It's a good strategy. It worked. It worked so good. Uh, Craig Council, who's highly sought after as a manager this offseason, wound up signing with the Cubs and is now the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball. What do you guys think about him taking almost double the next highest paid manager? Okay, so a few things. I absolutely love this comment, Rob. Um, I didn't know all that much about Craig Council. I mean, I knew he was a Milwaukee boy. I knew that he from Wisconsin played on the Brewers, worked his way up through the front office there, became the winningest manager in Brewer history over the last nine years, and was given permission to interview for other manager jobs. He had an interview with the Mets. He had an interview, um, obviously, with the Brewers. He had an interview with uh, a couple other unnamed teams. He He was sought after. And he wound up signing with the Chicago Cubs, a division rival, which did shake the Brewers when he let them know that they was. uh, I know that there's a few quotes from Brewer management that was just like, what? You're doing what? But he had good reason. Listen, up until two days ago when Craig Council was hired, the highest paid manager in Major League Baseball was making $4.5 million. To put this in perspective, the highest paid NHL coach was Todd McClellan at $5 million. There's an NHL coach making more than the highest paid Major League Baseball manager, which kind of shows you where managers have kind of fallen in the scheme of things in the baseball landscape. It's because coaching is harder puppets. than managing, Scott. <laughs> they need to re- they need to they need to rebrand. They need to rebrand the name. You're, you're not a manager. manager. You're a head coach. Just call yourself a head coach. Every other sport has a head coach. But then so they got to take their jerseys because, off too. Uh, the highest paid. Do you know who the highest paid NFL coach is? You obviously. Do. Ooh, highest paid NFL coach, uh, Sean McVay. It is actually Bill Belichick. Oh, that was my second at 20, guess. At twenty million dollars. Okay. So just think about that. Up until two days ago, the highest paid NFL coach was making more than four times the top paid manager in MLB and NBA. It's Monty Williams at 13 and a half million. Um, Monty Williams is the highest paid manager in baseball? In uh, the NBA. Oh, I was going to say, I never even heard of Monty Williams. So <laughs> that makes sense. That checks out. So the math works out. For those of you who are like, well, what is Craig Council getting paid now? He is making $8 million a year, which puts him almost double the next highest paid manager in baseball. Who um, is? On, and that is a great question, Adam. Who is the second highest paid manager? I'm I should have looked it up. As, it. Even as I started to talk about this, I was like, wow, I really should have a name for this four and a half million dollar manager. But <laughs> uh, yeah, $8 million, obviously uh, almost tripling his last salary with the Brewers. Uh, the Brewers lost out because obviously the Cubs were prepared to go two or three million dollars more than the next highest paid guy. So highest paid offer. Good for Craig Council, I guess is what I'm saying, to answer Rob's question. Uh, Bruce Bochy. There, there it is. Bruce there Bochy, is. well-deserved. There you go. Uh, by the way, just because uh, Literally this article, a Hall of Fame manager. like This uh, 
this article lists college football as also being paid exceptionally high. Alabama coach Nick Saban is earning nearly three times the salary of Bruce Bochy with eleven point four million. That's crazy. College football. I think that Bruce is so Bochy, popular. a legend, a legend, comes out of retirement to be the highest paid manager and still is making so much less than everyone else. Like, good for Craig Council. Reset that line in baseball. You absolutely should be paying your top guy on the coaching staff. Yep. We can just leave it there. Right. <laughs> um, is Craig Council any good? Well, as like I a mean, as a manager, I, like I know, like he has the winningest record in in Brewers history. Of course, nine years is going to help you rack up the wins. The Brewers have been a very good franchise over that time, never being big spenders. They're a small market team, but they always compete in that, that NL Central. Uh, yeah, career, career winning percentage as a as a man. Sorry, career winning percentage as a manager is five thirty one. Not too shabby. Uh, John Schneider, who I think we can all agree, worst manager in Blue Jays history, uh, career winning percentage of 572. So. There you go. Give him seven more years, and uh, uh, maybe he's the highest paid manager in baseball. <laughs> you man, Oh, man, can you imagine that? John Schneider. But Craig Council, kind of a similar story. Oh, man. Well, kind of a similar scenario, right? Where he came up through the Blue Jays system, has always been a part of the Jays organization, very similar to how Council was always tied to Wisconsin and came up through the Brewer system. So, yeah. Um, Craig Council, significantly better baseball player, though. Two-time World Series yes. champion, NLCS MVP. Much better baseball player. Uh, Milwaukee Schneider Brewers was. Wall of Honor. Uh, John Schneider does not have the hardware to match. Um, but, yeah, uh, managerial track record and progression. Sure. Um, it's, it's good. I mean, anytime someone gets paid, I'm, I'm for it. I'm pro- getting paid so good job for craig hopefully this sets the new high yeah. water mark and you know uh a rising tide lifts all boats right so everybody else is going to have something to point to now and Truly. say hey i'm 70 percent as good as craig council so i want six million bucks or whatever so. baseball oh. should be on par with the other major sports come on like it's kind of it really surprised me to see that they were paid so low in comparison yeah. to like the top coaches in other leagues. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's probably why they can't afford to buy like a suit to manage in and they just have to wear a, a uniform. Yeah. It's probably a cost saving measure, right? It's a cost saving thing. They don't make enough to buy their own suits. Make enough to buy their own suits. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for that one, Rob. Uh, good question. Uh, next one from Twitter. The real Blue Jays guy says, I'm so done with stupid ass front office. I can't believe they offered Matt Chapman a qualifying offer. Uh, watch him take it, and Atkins sticks with the worst third baseman possible again. Where do we start with this? Oh, one? this was this was a tough one, Adam. I didn't even respond on Twitter because I had to take a breath. I understand how frustrated uh some of the fan bases and i think the majority of us are with this front office but let's pump the brakes a little bit on some of this rhetoric i mean you can spend every waking moment tearing apart every little thing this front office does but it it, it comes across as ridiculous it's called due diligence. This qualifying offer is nothing more than due diligence. Every team in baseball, 29 other teams would have offered Matt Chapman a qualifying offer. Major League Baseball just bumped up what the qualifying offer is now worth, which is $20.5 million over one year. Now, if 
that qualifying offer is declined, which 100%, I have zero doubt in my mind, Matt Chapman, as the top free agent third baseman on the market, is going to turn this down. He is going to get a $100 million contract. He's going to get term four, five, six years. There is no way, as a Scott Boris client, that he is going to take the qualifying offer. I know there's there's these whisperings from some folks in the fan base who truly believe maybe Matt Chapman will take it and rebuild his value. Well, you mean, know what? Good. We had this conversation on Friday, and I took that stance of like, well, here's the reason why he might. And then as I talked myself through that, I also realized that like the reason why he might is also the reason why he wouldn't, because yes. what it accomplishes, he can... It just, it doesn't, anyways, yeah, he's not going to take it. It's, it's a free draft pick they're getting by offering this. Yes. There's yes. no downside. Yes. So he's expected. It's not like the Blue Jays aren't doing their due diligence. Like they, they don't stop talking. Like they've talked to Matt Chapman and yes. the, if, the, the way it's being presented is he is expected to turn it down and hit free agency if um if he want okay it the only reason he that just for anybody that didn't catch friday's show the the only reason he would take the qualifying offer is because he's like okay offensively i had a down year i want to rebuild my value maybe i think uh, on the open market this year i could get a contract of xyz right uh, 150 million, but if I rebuild my value, I could be pushing closer to three or whatever numbers you want to put out there, yeah. right? Rebuild my value equals more money long term, blah, blah, blah. That's the only reason why he would take the qualifying offer. But he could just still take a pillow one year deal anywhere else for, yeah, for probably pretty for close this, to the same money, if not more, on a one year deal, yeah. anyways. And even if he took the $5 million hit and only signed for a one-year $15 million deal because he turned down the qualifying offer, blah, 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 it's, it accomplishes the same thing. It's a $5 million bet on yourself, and if he's going to bet on himself, he's going to do it. So, so yeah, when it's... somebody signs Matt Chapman, the Blue Jays now get a fourth-round pick in 2024. Yeah. That doesn't um, get my I... dick hard, by the way. It No, of course not. It's just... If you're going to lose the guy for nothing, it's a nice little caveat you get to hang on to there. It's better and than nothing. I know it's literally better I, than nothing. They should they should coin so that phrase. It's better than qualifying nothing. offers are also based on the team's salary. So last year when they offered qualifying offers, their overall salary was less and they wound up getting a second round pick. So because they're spending so much more money, they now need to get bumped down to the second tier of qualifying offers, which would be the fourth round or somewhere in that area. Um, just for those of you wondering. Uh, qualifying offers cancel out, right? Like it's a net loss gain of players signed and lost from with qualifying. Like if the Blue Jays go out and sign Shohei Otani, he has a qualifying offer. Yes. So the net would be the Blue Jays didn't lose any... Like, we wouldn't end up getting a draft pick at all if that was the case. If we lose Matt Chapman and we gain exactly. Shohei Otani... Shohei Otani, it's a wash. We, yeah, we don't get a fourth And that's a great example. That's, that's a great way of looking at it, Adam. That's a really good way of looking at it is now these other players with qualifying offers are not off the table for the Blue... It, it, it's a wash if they, if they wind up deciding to go down that route. They're not actually losing a draft pick. So they're the full list of players to receive a qualifying offer this year. Shohei Otani, Aaron Nola, of course, stud pitcher with the Phillies, right? Uh, Blake Snell, Cody Bellinger, Josh Hader, Matt Chapman, and Sonny Gray. None of those guys are taking qualifying offers. Zero of them signed, I would say. Oh, they're all all going to decline. Now, this is interesting. The players who didn't receive a qualifying offer that were on the bubble— Oscar Hernandez, Jorge Soler, Reese Hoskins, and Mitch Garver, all four of which the Blue Jays are going to have interest in. So I think it is going to be um, advantageous for the Blue Jays knowing that some of these 
big boppers, the home run hitters, something that they lacked in 2023 and will definitely have interest in. Some of these guys don't have a qualifying offer attached to it. Good news. Um, notable here, because when you read that list and you read Teoscar Hernandez, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., not on that list, ineligible for qualifying offer. Um, Interesting. Part of his uh, contract, I think, in which bought out his our beers and stuff uh, that he signed with the Jays years ago. Um, yeah, he's ineligible for a qualifying offer. So I'll link to this article here on MLBTradeRumors.com. This is from November 2nd. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing now, but yeah, he... Uh, the Diamondbacks were thought to be facing a decision on outfielder Lourdes Gurriel Jr., but Nick uh, Picoro of the Arizona Republic reports Gurriel's contract uh, prohibits him from receiving a qualifying offer. So, Some of those international which, free agent signings, man, you can do some funny things with those contracts. You'd never get away with a player that you drafted or you know, a free agent on the open market. So I guarantee that's what that was. was so, yeah, Lourdes Kudo, was I mean, an international free agent. Yeah. And uh, kudos to his agent though for putting that clause in the contract because I mean he he I think stands to sign a reasonable contract in uh, free agency. Lourdes <laughs> probably gets a 3-year 60 million dollar deal after last year. Maybe probably. not quite, but at least 345, you know. He's probably making he's a 15 million dollar player now. Um one thing I always hear about, uh, you know, we talked about so much during the uh, CBA and the lockout, was that the players want to get rid of the draft pick compensation tied to qualifying offers because agents feel, the union feels that that uh, lowers their value on the open market, right? Oh, I can't yeah. give Shohei $500 million because... I also would I don't use want a to draft leave that pick, fourth round draft. So pick. I can only afford to give him four hundred million. Like that's the I can't give Lourdes twenty million dollars a year because I'm gonna lose a draft pick. But if I could get away with signing him for twelve million, I'd lose the draft pick. Yeah, that's okay. I just don't buy that that's an actual calculation from any front office. I think like I don't I don't know I who's looking right. at Blake Snell and going, Yeah, I'd I'd like Blake Snell, Cy Young fucking winner on our team. Next year, ooh, but then we'd lose a fourth-round draft pick. Can't do it. Can't pull I, the trigger I on think Blake if Snell. An, I think if an organization's gaggle of khakis, right, they they gather their gaggle, and they target a guy who has a qualifying offer, that all goes into the thinking. Like, you're not going to lose your target just because you might lose a fourth-round draft pick, Right. Like, do you think? Do you think one of the winning? That's not how winning teams operate. Do you think one of the khakis raises a pant leg and and is like, uh, but sir, and then just like lists all of the, uh, drafted players in Major League Baseball history that were drafted with a conditional draft pick that went on to be something good, and they're like, but sir, Craig Council in 1997 was drafted by the Brewers. <laughs> with a conditional draft pick and he went on to blah, 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 you know, and just like listing all the, the reasons why yeah. we can't afford to lose this conditional draft pick. Oh, that'd be hilarious. That's a good scene for a TV show. Mating dance of the khakis. Yeah. He lifts a leg and starts giving out. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that. to picture, I like to picture the sleeve is like of the pant leg is like opening and closing, doing the talking. Right. All right. Well, we're off the rails. So this is, this is good. We've, First time sifted this through never happens to us. This never happens yeah. to us. <laughs> Everybody new here, be patient. This is not our yes, typical show. We're usually much more straight laced than this. Um, okay. Couple comments that made me laugh over the weekend. Uh Mish on Patreon. Uh, we were talking about uh prospects on MLB mm-hmm. Mondays yesterday. And uh Damiano Pomagiani. Mm-hmm. Uh one of our guys to be excited about. Um, and Mish says, I'm kind of excited about Damiano too, dot, dot, dot. Hashtag cougar alert. So, <laughs> Mish. 
Mish hey, is thirsty a, for some uh, Italian he's a, Parmesan. He's a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking dude. Hey, if we're going to lose Kevin Kiermeyer, Yeah. Not, at no, least give Mish Damiano. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah, there you go. Um, oh, by the way, speaking of cougars, mm-hmm. I mentioned... I don't know if this was on a Patreon episode or where I mentioned this, but I mentioned a childhood crush that I had on uh, Deb Barone from Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, yes. And then we did get a, in the aftermath of that, some requests for a top five list of Adam's Ooh. TV MILFs from my childhood. Um, I feel like the term MILF is degrading though. So yes. I don't feel comfortable calling this a, a TV milf, a milf list. list. Yes. Um, oh, tangent sidebar. Uh, started watching Shorzy. You watch Shorzy? Right. Like yeah. spinoff of Letterkenny? Okay. Yeah, I love Shorzy. Okay. Uh, my brother recommended it to for me to watch with my kid, 12-year-old. She loves hockey. He's like, she'd love it. The most vulgar show I've ever watched with a 12-year-old. Uh, the whole yes. first episode talking about Anyways, um, well, you told I, me you tucked her in and you called her Shorzy and she loved it. She does love being called Shorzy. She <laughs> came like, out of the. Let... <laughs> I've lost Scott. Let that be my nickname. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, she was coming out of the dressing room on Sunday and I called her Shorzy and then one of the moms laughed as hard as I've seen any of the other hockey parents laugh. So I was like, oh, that person watches Shorzy for sure. Anyways, Shorzy has the the title character um, has a thing for older ladies, and the way he talks to that uh, older reporter lady, mm-hmm. and how he'd be so good to her, yeah, <laughs> so like it's so fun, such a contrast of his character to see him talk to her like that. So I thought something like that, like this will be my list of of uh, yeah TV I like moms that. that I would be so good to. That would be so good too. So there we go. We got past it. It's no longer a MILF list. It's a TV moms. I would be so good too. Unbelievably good too. Um, anyway, so I was going to do a top five, but I came up with uh, 11. So that'll oh, be a wow. Patreon exclusive. I got my list right here. Ooh, sneak peek. Don't look like too close. Don't pause that. Uh, so I got a list of 11. One, I'm not sure actually qualifies. Um, I don't know if she had kids if her character had children in her role. So despite being a wife and a very lovely lady who I would be very good to, unbelievably good to, I don't know if she technically is a mom. Qualifies. Okay. So anyways, that's something to look forward to. That'll be a Patreon exclusive later this month. So I've got my list. I just got to organize them in order now. And that's, (laughs) I mean... Ranking celebrities is one of the best uh, ways of, to spend your time. TV moms would be so good too. <laughs> be so good too. So it was actually a really fun list to come up with because I had some real nostalgia uh, in yeah. the most inappropriate of ways uh, going over the list of possibilities. So there we go. Um, there you go. So hashtag Cougar Alert. Mm-hmm. Um, next one. Alex, this one made me laugh really good. Uh, Alex on Patreon says, best thing about this show, referencing the unedited raw version, which is just the literal recording from the Zoom meeting, no graphics or anything. It's just you and me on a Zoom call. So he says, the best thing about this show is that I can listen and watch at work, and it just looks like I'm on a Teams call, one where I participate (laughs) very little. So... Uh, I was so. fucking saying before when you ran this past me that made me laugh so hard. It made me like laugh just as hard the second time. It's, it's great. the best it's backhanded great. compliment I've ever received. Great. Actually, you know what? Here, Alex, since you made us laugh, uh, this one's for you. Go ahead, take your AirPods out, and we'll just say, what do you think of that, Alex? Alex, you, where are you at respond. on Project A plus B? <laughs> Can I get that TPS report by uh, by noon? Okay. Uh, Deborah from Patreon. Yeah. De- <laughs> let's get back to it. Deborah <laughs> from Patreon. Uh, honestly, finding the walk-off pod and community around it has been one of the highlights of my year. 
such a great community and vibe. The first non-parents of my kids' friends and non-work friends I've made in years, sending you all the best vibes and karma that I can. So nice. Such a nice message. So nice. Lovely. Um... Deborah is a part of our $25 watch yes, party tier on Patreon. Top tier. Uh, also with Mish. Hashtag Cougar mm-hmm. Alert. So mm-hmm. we have to find a way to provide value for Deb and Mish. Um, and, and Brian. And the others. And, yeah, Brian. Yes, and and the, yeah, you're like, we don't others. need to name them all. <laughs> there are two others that are in that tier that just haven't joined us for a Zoom yet for a game. But we do need to find a way to provide value. Uh, for those folks during the off season as there's no Blue Jays games to watch. So Scott and I are putting our heads together. I just want to let you guys know we appreciate the support and we are going to try and come up with a creative solution to keep you have a walk-off Christmas party too. Being sad. Ooh, here we go. <laughs> I like it. Walk-off Christmas party. Scott's headlining. I'm opening. <laughs> Zoom comedy. It's 2020 all over again. Um. I already know, Scott, we're going to get comments saying you guys should do a comedy show on Zoom. So just brace for that. Yeah. Brace for how we can politely say no thanks. Um, I never need to do another one of those again. I, I feel like I'm <laughs> chewing on tinfoil just thinking about it. Yeah. All right. Um, Ian, also original gangster uh, in the grounds crew. Uh, day one for sure. Says, so glad you guys and Nene Takes are finally getting together. Uh, match made in Blue Jays heaven. So, yes, we're very excited to have Nene on the show. That's going to be Thursday. We will release that Friday morning as the Friday episode or uh, the This Changes Everything episode. Nene is honestly one of the best baseball minds that I've randomly found on twitter (laughs) normally twitter is just a cesspool but this kid man he is such a good writer and the way he views baseball and um digs into the extra curricular side of the game and when i say that i mean like all of the deep stats He's really good at, at uh he does prospect lists as well so he's really good at like evaluating talent being able to decipher and look at numbers and because we like Adam, we see numbers and we're like, Ooh, how many really gold sure gloves means, does he but have? I do know though. that's a good number. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been good. So we're sitting down with him Thursday. We'll be recording that one. Uh, that'll be up on Patreon right away. Uh, and then we're going to release it Friday as the, this changes everything. The change for this Friday, by the way, will just be that it's you and Nene takes instead of you and me. Yeah. That's, that's the change. Basically will be the change. Um, no, it'll be good. Uh, if you're on Patreon, by the way, uh, get your questions in. If you have anything specific, uh, there'll be yeah. a post up by the time you see this, there'll be a post up, uh, on Patreon that you can respond to, or again, in the discord, uh, drop your comments there. Uh, or questions that you have if you want something specific addressed by Nene Takes. So here you go. Lots to look forward to. A lot of talk. Uh, this comes from no one in specific. This comes from the collective gaggle of Blue Jays fans. Uh, a lot of talk about the Gold Glove Award, it being flawed, and Fault on Cargo gets penalized for being utility. That's an autocorrect. That's Dalton Varsho. Yes. Dalton Varsho gets penalized for being utility. Um, played too many games in center field, so didn't have enough games. Was he a left fielder? That was his yeah, default position. So he was he was nominated as a left field gold glove. Um, everyone, even when he was nominated, basically called him losing because they, he did move around the diamond too much. And I know we were kind of talking about this, Adam, before we hit record. And both of us kind of were... Uh, our sentiment is, in today's baseball, in 2023, major leaguers have been 
stripped of their specialty. There isn't really a specialty player anymore who has one position. Do you know how rare it is to be like, this guy only plays second base? It's pretty rare. Look around Mm -hmm. the Blue Jays diamond. Every guy plays two or three positions. So now you're going to punish them for doing that when the awards come out. It's so counterintuitive. I mean, it's very baseball. It's very Major League Baseball, but it's so stupid. Yeah, like I just... I. I think we just need to have, I mean, I'm sure there's going to be someone out there who's like center field and left field are different positions and you need to have a different skill set in each one. And like, you're absolutely almost certainly right, but we need to just lump them in together and be like three outfielder gold gloves. If they're all center fielders, so be it. If it's a guy Mm -hmm. who played half in left field, half in right field and 15 games in center field, so be it. But like, these are the three best outfielders this year. I mean, mm-hmm. we already do that for the all-star game. Yeah. Right? Like legit. You you get a catcher, a first base, a second base, a shortstop, a third base, and then you get three outfielders. They're not distinguishing uh selections of the all-star game based on, oh, no, we can't have uh Aaron Judge and Mike Trout because we can only have one center fielder at the All-Star game. Like, And let's be serious. It's not like doing this would diminish the sanctity of the Gold Glove Award. Like if there's yeah. ever been an award given out in baseball that is questionable at best, it is the Gold Glove Award. And we were talking about this on MLB Mondays on the Patreon exclusive of just how ridiculous it is that – is it DRS they're following? Like, is it defensive run saved? Is it errors? Is it because if you start going around all the different winners, it's like none of the stats there's, yeah, mattered. There's, they, there's they no common thread. Which stat to mattered everybody. for each position. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's like, uh, I mean, I grew up watching hockey. I, I don't really um, follow it. As, as much as I used to, as I used to, but, uh, you know, one of like, I can't remember what it is now, if it's the Vesna or the Jennings or what it's named after some old white guy, but it's like award for best goalie yeah, for the season, nice. but it's like, it's just based on like, Oh, this guy had the best goals against average. He had a qualified number of, of games, like he played enough to qualify. You know, he didn't have one game and he got a shutout, so yeah. he wins. But, you know, he played enough games and he had the best goals against average. That's your award winner. And it's like, I just like black and white, that sort of thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, this guy had the best batting average. He wins. This guy had, you know, like whatever. Even if we want to argue about DRS isn't as good as UZR, isn't as good as... Yeah fielding percentage isn't as good like whatever we can have that like those would be fine conversations to argue over but when it's like no these guys all win because they had the best drs and then this guy won because he had the best uzr and then this guy won because he had the fewest errors it's like which what this year's gold glove winners looks like like that was the one thing looking across all the gold glove winners i'm like there is no rhyme or reason it's not like they're zoning in right on one stat it's just like I don't know. I, I think it's like, it's again, it's a weird award where it's like partially based on managerial votes and also partially based on like data. And it's yeah. just the gray area awards is so. Oh, they're so dumb. dumb. So dumb. So dumb. Um, yeah, so dumb. Anyways, it's dumb because like money is on the line because like these are factors and arbitration and contract negotiations to be like Matt Chapman is going to get some extra money this year based on the fact that he's a five-time gold glove winner instead of a four-time gold glove winner or four instead of three or whatever like all these awards right like get pointed to as hey I'm one of the best defensive third baseman and here's my hardware to prove it as opposed to hey I've been a top three finisher as a defensive third baseman my whole career you know like yeah, it's it's the same thing of uh, home run milestones, right? Five hundred one is so much more impressive than four ninety nine. Yeah, five hundred one and five eighty five are the same. They're the same, <laughs> but truly. 
Uh, okay, last one we'll get to here, and then we're out of here. Is uh, Johnny on Patreon says, uh, It's too bad the Jays are all set for pitching and need position players so badly in a year uh, where there's excellent free agent pitchers, but poor free agent position players. Uh, it's almost like the Jays brass didn't do their due diligence and look ahead to consider the position they'd be in for future free agent class years. Hmm. Steve, this is how you pick apart the front office, <laughs> right? You zone in on something legitimate that is an actual problem and you make sense of it, right? Instead of picking on a qualifying it, instead of but... picking on a qualifying offer. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, there is, there's definitely pieces out there that would bolster this Blue Jays lineup. It's definitely not the deepest free agent class we've seen in the last few years, especially on the position player side of things. The pitching side looks really good, and who knows? That's the thing with a, a deep pitching class is it is going to also um, allow the Blue Jays to get creative if that's something that they choose to do, right? You never know these high-end pitchers, how much they're going to be getting. The bar is always set high when it comes to starting pitching. Maybe the Jays have a scenario where they go out and sign a, a lesser pitcher because it's going to lower the money, right? And you can move a guy like maybe Kikuchi and go deal from an area of strength. I don't know. I'm just saying that there is definitely some creative ways around this bump in the road. However, Johnny makes a really good point, right? Like you would hope that this front office and again, I'm just so frustrated with Atkins right now. I, I think most of us are. So it is easy to look at him and be like, did you even look two years down the road? Like when you started to build this in 2021 and recorrect and now you're, you know, but I mean, as Jay says, we don't have a choice at this point. No, Zach Shapiro at the helm. And I'm not going to stop cheering for the Jays because of them. You can do I, your thing, but I, okay. So I, I acknowledge that this is a more valid gripe than saying, how dare you give Matt Chapman a qualifying offer? Uh, he's the worst third baseman in baseball, literally like a day after he won an award for being the best defensive <laughs> the best. third baseman in baseball. <laughs> so kind of hilarious there. Maybe it was ironic intentionally. Um, but I still don't agree with this of like you have to make moves for today. And like if, if this wasn't the approach for the last two years, can you with a straight face, imagine Ross Atkins coming to a press conference and saying, well, we're building our team for the free agent class of 2024. So we know there's going to be pitchers available. So that's why we're going to go into the 2023 season without Chris Bassett, without Gary Gossman. Because two years from now, that's when we're going to get Blake Snell and uh, Aaron Nola. Like, it, it doesn't and really when you start like when you start playing that game too you can really burn yourself right because it's not always up to the organization as to who they get in free agency it obviously relies a lot on mm -hmm. what players want to go where as well and this is why players work so hard to get to free agency so that they do have that choice so mm -hmm. that they do get three offers from three different organizations that the money all looks pretty similar and they actually get to pick the quality of life and make those sort of decisions. What schools do they want to put their kids in? What community fits best with their values and where they want to be, right? This is why guys want to go to free agency. So I, I know that the Blue Jays fan base always winds up getting tied into some of these big free agent signings because the Blue Jays have money. There's always that, you know, the amount of times Scott Boris has been like, oh, there's a secret team out there and then later it comes out it's the blue jays it's like mm -hmm. was that ever true or are you just using mm -hmm. us to as mm -hmm. leverage so to to put your i guess what i'm saying is to to start doing the math two or three years down the road based on the strength of free agent the free agent class in the areas of need that you may perceive you have at that time it's 
you can almost out checker yourself, you know, you mm-hmm. wind up really screwing yourself over. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it feels not that like... there's not validity to what Johnny's saying. Cause obviously yeah. you should be aware of when the free agent classes are stronger or weaker in whatever you just, areas. You also can't like bank on the fact that like Blake Snell was going to be a free agent at this point. Like so many things can happen where, Oh, right now there's, you know, uh, a dozen really good pitching options. Anything that happened last year or the year before where they just signed an extension or yeah. they got traded and signed a deal. And now all of a sudden this free agent class is not only shallow on the position side, but also on the pitching side. And it's just a shallow class. So I also don't like the idea of drawing that line. And I'm not saying you're wrong, Johnny. I'm just saying my interpretation is I don't like just distinguishing between pitching and position players. I do. So I, I don't like the idea of, of that from a due diligence standpoint. Um, so I'm personally not going to use that as a, you know, if we're doing a pros and cons list and how do I feel about Ross Atkins for me, that's not part of the equation. Um, I'm not going to fault him for that. If that was the case, I'm not sure it is, even though it appears to be, but I do think things like, um, looking ahead to future free agent classes should be part of the due diligence when looking at your own specific internal options, uh, namely like a Boba Shat, right? That I think for sure needs to be part of the equation when you're going, okay, we got two years left of Boba Shet. Are we going to offer him a long-term deal? Are we going to try and find something internal? You have to also look and go, okay, he's a free agent in 2026. Who else is available at shortstop if we let him mm-hmm. walk? And if none of our, if Arjun Namala isn't ready yet at 20 years old, right? If Addison Barger isn't the replacement at shortstop, you know, what are our options in free agency? Not, I mean, you can still get things done at, via trade, but it is very shallow in Boba Shett's free agent class at the shortstop position. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do think that that should be a factor in there. Like they should be aware of that. And I'm sure they are yes. it's like, Oh, when he hits free agency, you know, we, we saw Carlos Correa and the Corey Seager and, Javier Baez, yeah. you know, there was what seven yeah. shortstops that were all like top 10 shortstops hit free agency at the same time. Well, Trey Turner is like, yeah, right. let <laughs> them all go. And then I'll be the lone super stud the next year. Right. And it worked out like if you look at it. <laughs> yeah. And, and now Boba going to be in that same boat where, okay, there hasn't been a elite option on, uh, on free agents. In his prime, young guy. Yeah, exactly. All by himself. Like, Boba Shett's going to make so much money in free agency so if, if we don't so lock him up. Yeah. Because, yeah, he's going to be the only option, and there's going to be five or six teams who are now thirsty for a shortstop. We haven't had a good shortstop in five years. Blah, blah, blah. There's been, you know, we lost out on Trey Turner. We lost out on Carlos Correa. Francisco Lindor is getting old, and we need to replace him. And now the Mets are like, hey, Boba Shett, come to New York. Here's 400 mil. Like, Boba Shett's going to get paid a lot of money. He's going to get paid big. And listen, so, honestly, we should be really excited about the next couple of years. We all know development isn't linear, but my goodness, age 26 and 27, that does tend to mm-hmm. be the prime of a lot of these high-end players because they start so young. Boba Shett's been in Major League Baseball since he was 20 years old. He's been playing five years in this Blue Jays uniform coming up on the final two years of his control with the organization. He's a free agent at the end of 2025. And I'm excited, man. Age 26, 27 years. Hell yeah. Give it to me. That's going to be great to watch. Boba Shett already took that next step this year, becoming a league average defensive shortstop to go with his incredible batting prowess. I'm hopeful he takes another step. I mean, we don't know for sure, but. Yeah. Me too. Um, pitching solutions or sorry, solutions to the way that this roster is constructed, having a need for position players and an abundance of pitching options. As Johnny puts it in a year in which free agency is stacked the other direction. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned the idea of like, uh, maybe you flip Yusei Kikuchi. Ryu's gone. I mean, not gone, but he's not under contract anymore. Do we bring him back? Nope. I mean, so they're like, are maybe, still, but... we still probably need to sign a free agent pitcher. Like we need a fifth. There's guy. also, there's also a very deep bullpen going on right now in Toronto. And I mm-hmm. think that a guy like Trevor Richards or Jimmy Garcia very well could be movable after the way things shook out over the last year. I mean, Eric Swanson, uh, a high end back end of the uh, bullpen piece. Chad Green is back there. High end back end piece. Jordan Romano. Um, How much better would you feel about? Okay. Let's imagine a future in which we don't re-sign Ryu. Just the decisions made. He's old. He wants too much money. We can get better value with a younger guy. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever reason, we don't bring Ryu back. You say Kikuchi is packaged in a deal with Santiago Espinal for cash considerations. Whatever. Kikuchi's gone. Ryu's gone. We've got Barrios. Gary Gossman and Chris Bassett. How much better do you feel about the prospect of Alec Manoa and Ricky Tiedemann fighting for the fifth spot if Chris Bassett is our number four and we went out and added a Blake Snell or a Nola? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yes. Like, please. I feel like if you have four studs, yeah. you can burn a spot on maybe Alec Manoa takes the job. Maybe Alec Manoa finds it again right and if he doesn't you know okay well every fifth day we suck but four times in a row we got legit dudes on the mound so i i'm my point is i don't think we should write ourselves off as being suitors in the pitching market even though it feels like we're set at pitching i think you know all of a Agreed, sudden, you buddy. trade you trade away Alec Manoa and you say Kikuchi. You bring in Juan Soto on the other end of that deal. Now uh, you got Juan Soto, and you're in need of pitching. So I don't know. I'm just getting horny here. So this is uh, it's gonna be a fun free agency. I'm excited to see this. I'm excited to see this play out. Um, yeah, man. I know you have one more uh, from Trev Patreon to get to before we yeah. do, and we're just on this topic of free agency. Um, I saw one as I was doing the notes this morning from Mish, hashtag Cougar Life, um, who had a comment about the Shohei Otani free agency because yesterday on MLB Mondays, we figured late December, maybe he'd sign. And she just made an interesting point that like, he probably already has a number in his head of what he's worth. He probably already knows where he wants to go. And he's just waiting for the team he wants to go to, to match that number he's looking for. And if that I mean, happens early, I mean, sense. she, so she's making the point, like he, he doesn't strike her as the type. And I don't know how often her and Shohei Otani hang out, but it doesn't strike her as the type to like make things linger. Like, and he could be quick to say, so if, I don't remember how he really when could. He was when he was posted from Japan. Do you remember how long that process was? Was that, I was he don't quick, remember, but that is interesting. Know. If, if someone in the grounds crew can do yeah, the math do the here, do the work for us. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if the Dodgers offer him six hundred million, why wouldn't you just take it and say, "Okay, let's get to work"? I don't know. Could could happen. Valid point. Okay, Trev. So us. this last last question is from Trevor and Patreon, um, and this is a really fun question that I I decided we'd save till the end so that all of you can answer as well. So go ahead and fill the comments up, and maybe we'll revisit this next mailbag. And kind I'm of going into this blind, by the way. I haven't, I haven't seen yeah, this Adam's message. Yeah, completely so blind on this. I'm scared. So he says, uh, here's a mailbag question for you, boys. Where do, where does the 93 team stack up against the greatest lineups of all time? Whamco, which is Winfield, Alomar, Molitor, Carter, and Olerud, definitely has its place amongst the t- top, top guy hitting in the American League are all on the same team. It will be great to hear your thoughts. Yeah. I mean, that was an incredible offense. I don't know if there has ever been a better Toronto Blue Jays offense. I I feel fairly confident saying that. Now, where does it rank in the history of baseball? It's probably a top 10. 
it's probably a top 10 offense. I don't know. I don't know if it breaks top three. I mean, uh, and it depends I... how far you're going back because you start to get into like murderer's row. And I mean, the Yankees have had so many dominant yeah. lineups throughout baseball. Um, and you don't need to go that far back even, you know, like they had that run in the nineties where you're just like, okay, mm-hmm. the Yankees are officially the evil empire. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I, okay. I got to do some real work on this. This is too much yes. to think about going in blind, but yeah, for next week, yeah, I'll have a ponder. My gut so let reaction. us know, drop it in the comments. Where do you folks feel Whamco lines up as an offense in the history of World Series winning teams. Okay, hold on. Time out. World Series winning teams. Okay, that's an important distinction. Because there's been a lot of offensive juggernauts who have not won the World Series. Yes. Okay, that makes it easier to sort through. Hmm. He but didn't thinking... add that. But I let's 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 zone in the okay, zoom well, in that's the microscope bump them up the list because Justin, I mean, you talk about going back, right? Like Yankees of the pre-World War II era and whatever, right? Like before jerseys were on uniforms kind of time frame, right? Um, But I'm looking at like recent history Mm -hmm. and I'm just looking at like on paper, some of the, like the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. The LA dot, like just teams that like seem like an offensive juggernaut and then they add Freddie Freeman and you're just like, what? That's not fair. So I feel like when I think about teams like that, I'm like, those are better than the 93 Blue Jays. But, you know, the Mets have had some stupid rosters in the last couple of years. Um, Even the Padres. With like Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., and and uh, then they add Juan Soto to the mix, and it's like, uh, but you know, Whamco was potent. Like that's the thing to remember too. Some folks forget yeah. John Olerud was such a engine to that offense. He hit almost he hit four hundred until August second. Like think about that. He hit four hundred. Until August. Yeah. Um, okay, well, here. How's this? Uh, so when you put the asterisk of teams that won the World Series, mm-hmm. right? Then you go 1999. That's a hard word to say. 1993 Blue Jays. Right, but I'm on MLB.com slash standings slash nineteen ninety three and I'm looking at the standings on October third at the end of the season, and I'm looking at total runs scored. Blue Jays aren't even a top five offense in nineteen ninety three. That year. Right? Like Detroit Tigers, eight ninety nine. Uh Philadelphia Phillies, eight seventy seven. Like, okay, they are top five. They're third though. But they won the World Series, so that's an important distinction. Yeah. I don't know who was on the fucking Detroit Tigers in 1993, but apparently they were more offensive. Miguel Cabrera? No, I'm than, kidding. Uh... I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he's a thousand years old, right? <laughs> uh, I think he's a rookie. Uh, no. Um, yeah, so that's something uh, to look into. So we're saying World Series winners. Look at the World Series World winners. Series winners. Where does Whamco line up in baseball history? Would love to hear from you, the grounds crew. Let's leave it at that. Over under five Yankees teams make your top ten list. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's at least five, probably. Yeah, there probably World is series five winners in the top that were 10. Yankees. Yeah. There are probably yeah. four of them have Derek Jeter on the lineup. So no, I don't know. Okay, okay that's so, been the mailbag. So we are gonna end here and 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 Adam, I uh I didn't bounce this off you before doing it. I don't, I'm not really comfortable getting into it, but I do feel it should be acknowledged that uh, our enemy of the show, Mm. number one, our good friend, Trevor Freeman uh, was a regular on the show. He made more appearances on the walk-off than almost anybody. He has helped us right from day one with getting 
into the baseball world. He set up uh, set us up with numerous different interviews and and folks who have helped us along the way. Um, he's been battling cancer and wound up losing that battle last weekend. Um, leaving behind his wife Carlene and his little boy Lincoln, and we just want to say, you know, shout out to to Trevor Freeman, just uh, a gem of a human, a real good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't have couldn't have done this podcast without his help and support. And uh, yeah, so all the best to the Freeman family and just a bummer. Yeah, absolutely. Number one enemy, enemy of the show. Trevor always, Freeman. always number one enemy of the show right here. All right. Yeah. All right, gang. Take care. All the best. We'll see you on Friday. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening.